0: 2015 is in the books, we're done And what a year it was, we're going to go over some of the top stories from 2015 Dive into some of my thoughts on some of them, not everyone Uh, We're also going to look at Donald Trump Yeah, that's right, it's time to talk the Don And I'll give my thoughts on what I really think the problem with the Republican Party is right now Oh, and uh, Eagles fans, yeah At the end of this program, towards the end of this program, we're going to talk about Chip Kelly and the State of the Eagles. It's all coming up here on FritzCast. Great to uh, be with you again here uh, for the second episode of what we're dubbing FritzCast right now. Uh, I don't know if I'll stick with that name. It might change. There's room for evolution here, and uh, I could just uh, pluck my old name and uh, call it Thinking Out Loud again. I don't know. I might leave that up to a poll on the page on Facebook or whatever, but I want to thank everybody first and foremost for... uh, Liking the page, taking the invite, uh, spreading the word, listening to episode one, uh, I think we had a good turnout, uh, looking forward as we, uh, as we move forward, looking forward to it, and how we change and evolve and grow, uh, but thank you all, thank you very much, it is, it is felt, it is known, and, uh, greatly appreciated, as always, uh, so hopefully you're all getting uh, back into your work weeks. I'd never, mine didn't really get disrupted like normal people's do. Uh, you know, I worked the holidays. Uh, my days off didn't change. Mondays and Tuesdays; those are my days off right now. Those are sacred to me, sacred holidays. But the uh, our Christmas tree is down. I'm sure yours is coming down hopefully soon. Or otherwise, you're going to be one of those people that get to January 15th and go, "Oh crap, we got to take that down." Uh, our Christmas trees in the backyard waiting to be chopped up for firewood when firewood and fire pit season opens back up. Uh, all the decorations are down. I got to go down outside a little bit later and pull off all the rest of the icicle lightning uh, lights. Uh, so that'll be fun, especially because it's so cold. Uh, <laughs> that's what I get. I could have done it when it was nice and warm out, but I decided to procrastinate. So lovely. Uh, so, like I said, I want to go over some of the top stories from 2015 that I couldn't talk about because I didn't have a fancy microphone or a podcast. Uh, we're not going to go over all of them. We're not going to go over in excruciating detail. We're just going to kind of highlight them, give you my thoughts on them, and uh, we'll take them one step at a time. The first thing I am want to start about, because it's on my head, it's on my brain right now, is the affluenzatine. If you don't know the story about the teen, everything I'm going to tell you right now is coming off of, I believe, CBS. Let me see. Let me double-check my data here. Everything, yeah, CBS News. Everything I'm going to tell you is about the teen. is from CBS News. Uh, Posted January 1st, 2016. Uh, Let me give you the story where it started back in 2013. About this kid. Uh, So 2013, this 16-year-old kid, while under the influence, drives his truck into a disabled SUV parked on the side of the road, killing four people and injuring several others, including passengers in his truck. He pleaded guilty to four counts of intoxication manslaughter and two counts of intoxic- intoxication assault, pardon me, uh, causing serious bodily injury. Uh, let me just, on that note, if you don't know the story at all, what do you think the uh, what do you think the kid got? What do you think uh, what do you think time wise he was serving uh, from those charges? Because uh, if he thought it was jail time or detention time or something like that, nope. Got sentenced to 10 years probation because the argument was that he was so coddled by his wealthy parents that he didn't know any better. And I'm not making that up. That was the argument against uh, the kid serving some real deal time. I mean, 10 years probation, you might say that's real deal time but not when you killed four people intentionally or unintentionally or through your stupid choices. And that's exactly what this was. This was a kid who made some stupid choices. And the argument was that affluenza, his conditioning up until this point, made it so that he didn't understand uh, the consequences, which is the dumbest argument I've ever heard. So instead of putting the punishment on him, that his parents seem to lack giving him for years up to now, coddling him, we decide to give him a pass and be like, "Okay, well, we'll just give you ten years probation. You'd still be out in the community or at a work release center or something like that." No, absolutely not. I was uh, I was sickened when I originally heard this story because uh, just there's so many things wrong with that narrative and I think I think that's a testament to how sad this this whole law thing becomes because uh I don't I can't imagine anybody in their right mind wanting to defend the dumb actions of the kid especially in his upbringing uh because a lot of times that's tossed out the window you know if so, if we want if we went off of upbringings and all that how many people would actually be going to jail because you know they had a bum father or bum parents they lived in a drug family you know things of that nature if if that all came into play you know so at some point people got to learn and people got to take responsibility for their own actions and in this case i don't care how coddled the kid was Uh, you got to step up responsibility for your own actions You You were under the influence Driving at age 16 And you plow into a car and you kill people You didn't intend to kill people, I'll give you that But you made a stupid decision There's plenty of people Who go around, who drink Who don't drive afterwards They don't drive even bust I know when I go to grab a beer somewhere Or if I go out drinking I have contingency plans in place and I'm not dumb enough to stumble out to my car, turn it on, and drive it when I'm not in the right mind. I have been under the influence before. I know a, a lot of people drinking doesn't seem like a big thing. In my upbringing, it was a big thing. It was you know, I was uh I was raised as a Mormon against drugs, against alcohol, uh you know against you know even coffee, uh and so drinking was uh was a big was a big big thing it was a big stigma around it i got into it you know in, in my later years here i didn't actually have an alcoholic beverage until after i turned 21 i was not uh, in the party scenes in high school or middle school as some of the kids are nowadays i wasn't in the party scenes drinking and trying every drug and and being curious and all that stuff i i wasn't i was actually It's pretty squared in my religious upbringing at that time. uh, Four reasons that I won't dive into right now either. But I was always raised being responsible for your actions. So when I did dabble into drinking, I knew the basics of not doing something stupid. I think a lot of people know the basics of not doing something stupid. I don't think a lot of people go out and drink until they're plastered and then go drive. So kid or not, 16 years old, who cares how coddled he was? He should have known that it was a stupid idea to do that and that he needs to pay for the stupid idea. And 10 years probation is a little lenient in my mind, paying for the action of killing four people whether or not it was intentional. So anyway, that's the story. He violated his probation, and he and his mommy dearest skipped town to Mexico. She's been brought back. He's now trying to dance around and use laws to uh, delay his deportation back to the States Uh, right now. Treaties between the U.S. and Mexico say that Mexican authorities have to respect Couch's warrant in the U.S., so unless he files for asylum, he will not be able to stay in Mexico indefinitely. Uh, I think we need to get this kid back here as soon as possible. And he needs to be charged to the fullest extent, and he needs to eat this one. And his mom needs to eat this one, too. She enabled him. She got the idea guaranteed to flee the country, and she initiated it. So she in my eyes, and I think in the eyes of everybody, should be as guilty as he is. And both of them need a serious lesson in basics of humanity, if you ask me. Maybe I'm being a little harsh. I don't know. But that's my view on it. Just especially in the case that, uh, in this case, we should also know that affluenza is not recognized... At least according to this article Is not recognized by the American Psychiatric Association And the fact that they Use this angle Drew a lot of criticism Clearly It was just What can we use to to make this go away Let's find it Let's stick with it Let's ride with it And Whatever gets us out scot free Or whatever gets us the least That's what we'll go with I think that's a good discussion that will come up probably further down the line On law and uh, and what should be and what should not be And how things should be handled But that's the affluenza teen Had to get that off my chest and off my mind uh, Before I went crazy not, not talking about it uh, <laughs> Crazy story, read up on it if you don't know about it and If you already do know about it, please uh, throw your voice out there. Let it be known that this kid uh, can't can't run away, and can't beat the justice system, and can't get off as easy as he got off the first time. Moving on, another big story of 2015 was the uh, the Syrian refugee crisis, and it kind of ties into a couple of other events um Syrian refugee crisis really came under scrutiny uh after i would say after the paris attacks um we all know the paris attacks and and, and the uh the inhumanity of terrorism not just uh on the american front but against westernized culture in general um the, the, the shot in paris was a strike at westernized culture don't uh I don't think you could see it any other way. Uh, it was a way of ISIS, uh, you know, attacking, saying we're here, saying we can pull this stuff off. And ISIS is a lot different from uh, from Al-Qaeda, uh, from, you know, the 9-11 attacks. Al-Qaeda was more like, we can pull off something big and everybody will see it. And it'll be large scale and, and, and large repercussions, whereas ISIS is more of a small uh subscale contained, you know, they don't if, if they kill 10 people, 15 people or 100 people, they're happy. As long as they killed somebody and they and you know that they killed them. So, Paris played into it, uh San Bernardino, California played into it. Uh and it sparked a lot of debate and controversy. The Syrian refugee crisis, a lot of people misconstrued something that I posted on Facebook. My initial posting after Paris was one that, I mean, it's typical right after you learn something like that. It might, well, it might have been a little extreme, but a lot of people misinterpreted my words that we should just turn away all Syrian refugees, which is something that uh, that I never said. All I said, and I'm going to give you numbers from the UN here. I'm going to pull them up on my phone. The UN this is from the UN's website. Uh, there are 4,390,439 registered Syrian refugees. They're being spread across the world, all across the world, many different nations. France being one of them, Sweden being another. Parts of uh, South African continent, uh, and then here in America we're taking them too. The The only thing that I said about the Syrian refugee crisis is that it is such a massive amount of people, it's such a massive number, that it is an exploitable target of ISIS. A lot of people's arguments were, that ISIS would want us to think that way. Oh, ISIS wants us to hate these refugees, and, and ISIS wants us to turn our backs to them so that they can win, so they can use it as propaganda too. Which, yeah, I guess maybe you're kind of right, but we're not wrong in saying that it was an exploitable movement. We're not saying punish all the Syrian refugees. We're just saying that we have to be cautious. It's such a large number of people, and I don't see how people were just so willy-nilly... Dropping every guard and saying, you know, bring them all, bring them all, bring all 10,000, 20,000, however many they want to bring in here, bring them all. I understand the want to be charitable, the want to reach out and help your fellow man, but there's a lot of things that go into taking refugees. We set up housing for refugees, we set up education for refugees, we set up jobs for refugees, and there's Americans that still don't have jobs. There's Americans still on the street. There's veterans that are still on the street. There's veterans that can't get proper health care because of a VA scandal that's still ongoing, uncovering, and trying to be figured out. With all that going on, and 4 million Syrian refugees coming in, a lot of people are up in arms. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong to be up in arms about it. I really don't. Uh, it's, it It's is a massive amount of people, a massive amount of numbers, and then we get Comments from the president like oh the republicans Are afraid of babies and uh, Women and orphans Which breaking down these Refugee numbers I'm still on the UN Website let me just give you some of them Real quick 49.3% Of them are male 50.7% Are female The largest numbers of them Are actually between the ages of 18 To 59 there's 21.5% Males 18 to 59 23.9% 23.9% females 18 to 59 So the president was right in saying females But saying orphans When it's only 10-11% of those numbers I mean yes yeah, 4 million divided down in those percentages Are still large numbers But 20% is larger than 10 or 11% It's practically double So It caused a lot of Controversial rifts In politics with the president and and some of the top Democrats saying that the Republicans were xenophobic Over children and, and orphans, which was a very misleading and, and misconstrued statement Because I just gave you the numbers So who's right and who's wrong? Big crisis, and that's going to be something that continually will be covered um, As it becomes relevant and less relevant and more relevant And another thing it sparked was... Political correctness—it's another huge forefront of debates now. Political correctness. San, Bern, San Bernardino—was it radical Islamic terrorism, or was it, uh, or was it something else? That this was actually in the Democratic debates. The question was posed to Bernie, to uh, Bernie Sanders, Martin O'Malley, and Hillary Clinton: Is it radical Islamic terrorism, or is it radical? Jihadi or what Bernie Sanders said It doesn't matter what you call it Martin O'Malley Said radical jihadis Hillary Clinton said radical jihadis And they Settled with radical jihadis Because saying radical Islamic terrorism Is Pinning it on all Muslims Anybody who believes in Islam It's pitting the actions of a few on the action on on, on everyone. What I find interesting is the definition of jihad. In Arabic, the word jihad is a noun meaning the act of striving, applying oneself, struggling, and persevering. If you actually read into... Jihad, it is at its core not about violent actions. It's about spiritual journeys. So, when they make the argument that they should be called radical jihadis versus a radical Islamic terrorist, I fail to see where the differences are they say that saying radical Islamic terrorism puts it puts the blame on everybody in Islam, which it actually has a qualifying word in front of it. It has the word radical. And it has another qualifier after terrorism. It doesn't actually blanket statement and say all Muslims... Are terrorist, it says there's a branch of radical Islamic terrorism. Period the end. And a lot of people argue against that and say, Well, we don't call like the Planned Parenthood shooter a, a radical Christian uh terrorist. Which, if you read into that case, that guy was a little nuts. He said a lot of crazy things when he got arrested. More than just the baby parts line that he was uh that was reported. And at the end of the day, he was one guy, alone, by himself, who didn't do it in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we don't call it a radical Christian terrorist. And I'm, I'm willing to bet if a group of Christians got together with guns and bombs and did a dirty deed, that the Christians would stand up and say they were terrorists. Look at what's going on in Oregon right now. If you don't know what's going on in Oregon, allow me to take a second to pull up the story for you. Now, this is from CNN, uh, posted today on the 4th. "Armed Armed group's leader in federal building. We will be here as long as it takes. A group of armed people took over a wildlife refuge in Oregon over the rancher incident that happened a while back. Uh, because those ranchers got uh, got some time for uh, burning on federal land and grazing on federal land. This group took over this building, this wildlife refugee building, or refuge building, with guns, called for people with guns, and they want to fire bullets. Now, here's something that you might find extreme. I'm going to say, yeah, they're a group doing things the wrong way, and it could end very badly for them. And if it does end badly for them, that's a shame, but what else can you do? This has been used in the past day or so as it's been breaking. People have been pointing at this and saying, "Well, why are they called an armed militia group? They're terrorists." You know, why aren't, you know, how come bullets haven't flown into them already? And I can't I can't argue against them being called a terrorist group. They they they're, they're in for a takeover They're planting their feet in the ground They're trying to accomplish something in the wrong way They are radical And if it ends badly It's because of the actions that they did that, that caused it I don't think anybody should sit there and want it to end badly Nobody should ever want anything Like this to, to, to end badly Nobody should ever want another human being just dead For any reason in particular Nobody really should want that This is still an unfolding story, though. I wish I could interject more about it. But I would need to do some more reading on it. And there's still things being uncovered about it. It'll be interesting to look at, and I'm sure next week we'll have more to talk about. it. I want to go into Donald Trump, though. Yeah, that's right. I I talked about Bernie Sanders last week, and I talked about how he switched to being uh, on the Democratic platform uh, to run for president, and I truly believe he would not have as much steam as he has now if he wasn't on that platform. If he was an independent, he wouldn't. You know, he might still be making an impact, but it would not be nearly as significant as it is right now. But rather, keep the focus on him. Let's focus on Donald Trump, the businessman, the the, the guy that keeps gaining steam in the race. The guy who we all thought would be down and out, three strikes. By December It's January, he's leading the polls He's leading the race, he's leading the charge For the Republican Party Now, if it's not known, if you haven't caught Onto the flow, I don't like Donald Trump I really don't Donald Trump, in my mind Says a lot of stupid things Without thinking about what he's saying He doesn't care And and unfortunately, that's What has appealed people to him He's gotten that from being politically incorrect From speaking his mind From not backing down from the criticisms of doing so Which in some cases would be admirable In this case I don't think it is very admirable When Donald Trump gets up there And says that We gotta ban all Muslims for a period of time That we gotta close the borders to all Muslims That they should even have to wear IDs Some of those ideas aren't so extreme. Let's put it this way. Syrian refugees coming in, they should be registered, obviously. They have to be registered to be a refugee anyway, but they need to be in a national registry so we know they're a refugee. We know where we put them. We know where they are. A lot of people seem to think that that's ridiculous for some reason. I'm going off topic here. We're going to come back to Trump in a minute. Because this thought came to me last night when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk today. If I, as a U.S. citizen, decide to go traveling somewhere foreign, even if it's Canada, well, let's say France or Spain or Greece, anywhere, anywhere foreign, if I decide to take a trip somewhere foreign, do you think that country has a right to ask me why I'm coming in? Because my answer is absolutely yes. I'm an outsider to them. So when I'm coming in, they can stop me and ask me, what are you doing here? If my answer is, hey, I'm, I'm here to tour, I'm here to see some of the sites, some of the history and all that, they have the right to know that I'm doing that. Vice versa, we have the right to know what everybody coming into this country is doing. If you're coming in as a refugee, we obviously have, have systems in place and, and we're going to track you and be on top of you. But if you're, if you're immigrating to this country or if you're just visiting this country, everybody has the right to know that. So there's an idea that Donald Trump just couldn't articulate very well, or maybe he is just that nuts and that uh that kind of I don't even know how to phrase that if he's that totalitarian if he if he wants to you know put the fist down and know what who you are what you are and and have it marked on you that's that's extreme but the other thing I don't like about Donald Trump is that he has like Three or four major points, and that's it. Outside of those points, he has nothing else of, of substance to add to the conversation. If you watched any of the Republican debates, in each and every one of them, he had times where he spoke almost verbatim from the previous debate, where he said, You know, Mr. Trump, what's your plan on uh, the southern border? What we're going to do is we're going to build a wall. We're going to build a huge wall, big, huge wall, and in the middle of this huge wall, there will be a big, beautiful door and people will come in legally. He said that verbatim, time and again. And he says Mexico's going to pay for it, which we all know is ridiculous. Is the wall idea ridiculous? Yeah, probably. But something needs to be done down there, whether it's a fence or a wall or some kind of patrol or whatever. It needs to be beefed up. The border has been a big ongoing issue, and so has immigration, legal and illegal alike. Needs to be handled, but that's one of Donald Trump's other big talking points: is the wall. And then, like they'll say things like, uh, "Mr. Trump, uh, your businesses went bankrupt," and he'll go, "No, no, 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 no! I, I, I've never been bankrupt. I've used the laws, the chapter laws that all businessmen use to to gain an advantage." So Donald Trump blatantly admits, "I use the system," which. People are kind of fed up with the system. That's kind of what people are against this go around. But I guess, as always, his appeal remains that he is a businessman, and everybody thinks a businessman can save the state of the nation. So, whether you think it's a businessman that can or a politician, I don't know. I just don't think Donald Trump has it. I don't think he has what it takes. I think he makes too many mistakes. I think I think not thinking about what you say is just as important as what you do say. So we'll leave it at that. Donald Trump's shortcomings notwithstanding, though, that uh, leads into what I was saying about what I think is wrong with the Republican Party in general. I've had this discussion with uh, a lot of my friends, uh, and I see it all the time on Facebook, social media, other formats. Uh, a lot of people say... I don't care whether it's Bernie or Hillary as long as it's not a Republican, which I think is is a very narrow-minded one one-sided thinking to the issue. Uh, you can call me out on my politics all you want and we can we can discuss that one on one. You're gonna learn them and it's gonna evolve as this as this program grows. Uh, but one of the big problems I think with the Republican Party is the lack of focus on the social issues. Uh, One of the reasons why I'm so stressing people to pay attention to who they're going to vote for this year coming up is the fact that uh, not too many people are focused on the national debt, the deficit, the budget, and how to balance all that. I, right now, um, and it took me a while to get to this point, I'm behind Rand Paul right now. Because I believe he has a vision in mind right now focusing on money and on the budget and on uh, the fiscal responsibility of the nation versus the social aspects. I'll, uh, I'll gladly concede to anybody who wants to argue about it that the social gains made under Obama for people in like the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender community have been good. And uh, the Republican Party lacks somebody that can stand up and say that those were good changes, those are good strides, and we're not going to touch or focus on them. Uh, I think the Republicans have uh, this weird view, and some of it might be because they're more of the religious type, and more publicly religious type, that uh, they they don't come out and say, like, who cares what somebody's doing in their private business? Instead, when they're asked about... Gay marriage, gay rights, all that stuff. They say, well, that should be left up to the states. Which is a fancy answer in my book for trying to play it off as being a constitutionalist. Like, you know, we have a constitution that says the states have the rights to determine and decide things. And that's partially true. We do have a constitution and and there used to be this thing called states' rights and states would individually decide that. They're kind of individually deciding it right now with uh, marijuana legalization both medically and just decriminalizing it altogether um the Republican candidates don't or the Republican party rather doesn't have a candidate that stands up and triumphs the gay marriage the social issues the the medical marijuana issues um and that's where they lose some steam that's where they lose some steam with the millennial crowd like me, whereas me right now I'm saying. I believe, and I believe in saying those things. As a, I'm not actually registered as a Republican right now. I'm an independent, but I might be registered as a Republican before the time is up, so I can vote in these primaries. But that's what I believe in. That's why I say I have more libertarian leanings than conservative leanings or liberal leanings. Uh, right now, I'm looking at the trillions of dollars of debt the nation's in, and how every year we go about half a billion more into debt, and we're calling it a triumph because we've cut it down to only going a half a billion into debt, but the numbers are just so massive and so huge that uh, they need to start being managed. If it goes uncontrolled, it's going to be a problem, and it's, it's a problem that people aren't focusing on. It's almost like how Americans get in their daily lives, they're like, well, everybody has this debt. And I'm I'm guilty of this. I say I don't care about my student debt. I don't care about my mortgage because those are two things that every American has hanging over their head right now. So I don't count that. I'm only focused on my credit card debt. If I can get rid of my credit card debt, I'm in good shape is, is, is my view of it. But as a nation, it seems like that would be a very bad approach Because I have years and years and years to worry about paying off my student loan debt. And it's not in the trillions or the billions or the millions. It's just in the high thousands. Um, And a lot of people wonder why I'm not for Bernie Sanders coming in. Because he squeals about free education and all that. But the whole thing is that at the end of the day, these things aren't free. These things have to be paid for. There's means that you have to have to get these things done you just can't slam the books down and say all right well education is free from now on or it's a taxpayer burden um, i don't believe in that but one thing i do believe in is that you might have to go through tough times you might have to navigate tough waters trying to get yourself back on even footing that's why i'm more on rand balls or that's why i'm more in rand paul's ball court right now because he wants to focus on getting the budget taken care of he wants to Limit government, which it should be limited anyway. It's very massive right now. Lots of money need, needed to operate said government. And how much of those dollars are being wasted versus used wisely. That's why I'm backing Rand Paul right now. He's Because he's up there talking about the budget, the budget, the budget, the budget. Sometimes you do have to stand up and say, all right, well, look at the money. The money's the important thing right now. Let's get a handle on this. Let's focus on this. Rand Paul's not trying to trample on anybody's personal rights. He's really not about that. He's actually an oddball Republican candidate, which is why he's not on top right now. Because the Republican system doesn't want that kind of stuff. They don't want Donald Trump up top either. But they don't want Rand Paul because he's too outside the curve. He's kind of almost... A Bernie Sanders of the Republican Party Except Bernie Sanders is sitting atop Of the Democratic Party More so for anything Because he appeals to millennials Because he keeps saying What we want to hear And that that's the other approach I'm I'm trying to knock everybody into a more realistic approach This isn't a time to Be told what we want to hear This is a time to be told what needs to be done To make sure That the nation is off On good footing and that might mean four or eight or ten years where things are a little tight. Sometimes you have to go through that to get back to your good, even footing. It's just, it's it's part of life and it's part of nature. All right, so we went over top stories of 2015, or a couple of top stories of 2015. I could have dived in deeper. Um, I don't want to pay disrespect to anything. There was trials going on, like the James Holmes uh, theater shooting uh the Sarnev trial was going on. Um and the Aaron Hernandez trial was going on. Um lots of stuff with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, the the Charleston shooting, um actually a lot of shootings. I just don't want to talk about shootings. It it's a depressing subject. We we are gonna get onto it. It's gonna be it's gonna be covered. Trust me. I just didn't want to do it this time. If you've listened this far, thanks for listening. I'm about to dive into the football portion. So football's not your thing. Thanks for listening. Just scroll to the end so I can get a a listen in on this. Uh, That's very bad pandering. But Eagles fans, Chip Kelly gets the axe before the last game of the year. Kind of all saw this coming about the midway point of the season, I think. And if not, then maybe I was just being hopefully optimistic. But uh, Chip Kelly... course his first two seasons he did you know excellent but classically like his offense he goes three and out I know I stole that joke but I don't care Um, I feel good about it it was just Chip Kelly we we were this was uh, Chip Kelly's learning the hard way and Eagles fans learning the hard way of Chip Kelly's weaknesses like a big weakness for Chip Kelly is his arrogance he's so arrogant he doesn't care if you don't like his system, if you don't like his choices or his decisions, he doesn't care. That's why players walked this past offseason. That's why he let key offensive linemen go. That's why he let Jeremy Macklin walk. Because he said, I'm not paying you $11 million. I got... Uh, the, the way I see Chip Kelly as a coach is the way I see me when I play Madden on Fantasy draft like when I need to fill a spot if I need some offensive linemen it's like I go into Madden I pull up all the offensive linemen and I organize them by their like power rankings like they're they're whatever out of 99 ratings and I just pick guys that have 80 90 overall strength and and pass or run blocking and I stick them in there that works in Madden it works in a video game it doesn't really work in real life and that's what that's what I felt he was doing he said all right I don't need LaShawn McCoy um, get rid of him. I'm going to pick up DeMarco Murray. I'm going to try to teach him to do what LaShawn McCoy did. Uh, Ryan Matthews, way more productive this year than DeMarco Murray because he is more in the vein of LaShawn McCoy. He can cut, he can juke. He can run east to west, find the opening in the line, and then go up the hole for the run. Whereas DeMarco Murray, just you have to hand him the ball in the backfield and he has to cut up. He's one-cut, straight-up type of Runner, And he needs an offensive, he needs a Pro Bowl offensive line, which the Eagles do not have. He did rip off a 54-yard uh, touchdown run against the Giants, and those are like one in a dozen. It, they don't happen, they don't happen that often. So I'm not going to praise that and say, oh, see, Chip Kelly, you know, it was one game, It was it was the last game of the season, and it didn't matter at the end of the day. I'm not going to dive into coaching candidates to fill the vacancies right now because every name under the sun from Bill Cower um, to Sean Payton to uh, the guy from Chicago, I don't know his first name. I think it's Adam Gase. Uh, there's just, it's all names right now, all names and all speculations. They've only actually interviewed Deuce Staley, the running back coach, which I think is nice that they interviewed him. I really do. Um, is he head coach material? Probably not, but... They gave him a shot They they gave him the sit down interview They gave him the pat on the back He's a good coach for what it's worth Probably just not ready to make that jump yet But uh, as for who could fill the vacancy And who could fill the void It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the coming weeks There's lots of names out there And lots of candidates and all that And there's still a season to finish in the NFL A postseason at least anyway So it'll be interesting to see what happens But Chip Kelly being gone That's a good thing it's been 40 minutes now I uh, I drug you about 10 minutes longer than last week and I wouldn't be surprised if the next week it's like 45 or 50 minutes who knows uh, but thanks for listening uh, please send me your feedback give me a like on Facebook share it on Twitter or whatever and uh, thanks for uh, thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to me babble about whatever I wanted to babble about take it easy see you for episode three next